photo. Now, this is the closet you record from? That's it, yeah. I wanted to... <laughs> I talk about it so much, I feel like I should have... Uh, you know, <laughs> Post a picture of it. While I was waiting, anyway. I was like, I had got some time. Also, I... And I couldn't even get, like, that's the best I could get... That's the best picture I could get. There's, like, so little room to stretch in here. Also, I like how you signed the tweet, T, which could literally be yeah. either of us. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll add to this tweet. Okay. No, you don't have to. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Make, make it ambiguous. Nope. Too late. Oh, wait. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. You have to listen to the episode. Actually, that's what I'm going to tweet. You have to... <laughs> listen to it be it's so like you're hearing the creation of a tweet that you could have read a week <laughs> later or earlier i mean oh That's gotta my be weird god <laughs> this is have to listen to episodes yeah this isn't even going to be the episode that comes out like the day of the tweet going out this is going to be the week after <laughs> That's true. That's true. Oh my god! I think this is episode ninety-three. Yes. To find ne- next out Sunday. <laughs> T. Well, I usually sign my tweets M when I tweet because everywhere else I just go by Murphy. Yeah. But then I was like, oh well, I go by Tim kind of on the podcast, so I'll. Uh, which T? Which T? This is. There we go. I'm pretty sure this is episode ninety-three. Uh, I don't want to screw up and I, have people go. I think it is. Let me. It is ninety-three. Okay, but I mean, we we, we, we also to to which... we, we we also don't like uh, put those numbers out. We just say like season six episode whatever. Oh, that's true. But then again, <laughs> but the the file name is you have to look at the file name. Is, is all right? The... Here comes another tweet. You have to look at the file. <laughs> <laughs> is the file name public facing at all? Can can people see what I the file so. name is? Okay, I I, I wasn't yeah. sure. Okay, jeez, I think so. <laughs> There's a lot of explanation going into this. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay so by the way um just to sort of like i like all of this and i'll leave it in this episode but i went to go edit the jerry stiller tribute extra and yeah yeah it totally just sounds like it it totally just sounds like balls like it sounds like i'm still on delocated and you sound Uh. totally normal which means i can't like speed it up or slow it down or anything like that and while i think it was great i think we should um i think we should re-record it and and then i can just I can take it from Zencaster and edit us together, and uh, it should be okay. Ah, uh, okay. What happened then? I don't know what the deal with me sounding all low and you sounding normal was. Because I sound normal now, right? I'm not delocated, am no, I? No, you sound you sound normal right now. But yeah. you're using the same setup as you did on Zoom. Yeah, I think it must have been Zoom. I I, I guess maybe it was a setting that one of us had clicked or something. Is there a witness protection option on Zoom? <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, like, I was listening back to my version, and it literally sounded like you were uh, a witness protection, but, like, opening a business meeting. You're like, okay, let's uh, let's get things started. Uh, looking, <laughs> well, looking at our projections, we are down a little bit, but we are hoping to get our stock back to where we were pre-pandemic by the beginning of Q3. And uh... Well, yeah, th- and that's why – and I sounded normal – I got to myself, but I didn't know that Zoom was recording on my end. That's why I was like, oh, let me record it on my end because I yeah. sound fine. But no, it still sounded like. And, and now I wonder, like, so I had a, I did an interview over Zoom. I did an interview over Zoom and it, and it worked perfectly uh, like a month ago. And then I just did one earlier in the week. And I'm hoping that I didn't sound like, hi, how's it going? <laughs> um, 
to that person was like, oh my god, why does this? Were, were this these, guy's a weirdo. Were these like professional interviews, or were they interviews for the station? It's going to be an interview for on air, yeah. And, and the, the weirdest thing is too, like it was it was with this fourteen uh, year old that like wrote a song about living in quarantine or whatever. You know, yeah. it's just a cute story. Yeah. Um, and so I'm hoping that I didn't sound like. So tell me about the song. <laughs> Jesus. Especially to like a fourteen-year-old girl, like that makes it so much worse. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Especially yeah. like I-, I could see like her telling like a funny story, and then your laugh during the delocated effect would just be like, "Are you an anonymous Santa Claus?" <laughs> yeah, I-, I can't imagine how weird that must have sounded. So I haven't even gone back. It only occurred to me that I was like, oh, crap, I did another Zoom thing. I hope that doesn't sound like ass because I actually do want to save that. And luckily, like, I would have totally just, if it hadn't been, you know, it would just be so labor intensive to go through and, and and select just when I talked. But we, you know, do a lot of cross talking. And so I was like, it's just going to be impossible because yeah. then Ted's going to sound... <laughs> I'll sound normal, and then Ted will sound like, hey, how's it going? All right. <laughs> you know, honestly, for how much time we're giving this, we should just post, like, the, the the regular, like, as recorded with the effect on your voice audio. You think so? Well, I was just going to, I mean, I know we're having a great conversation, but I was just going to edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's just, uh, you, should we get started? Yeah, let's get started. <laughs> All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 6, Episode 10, The Race. Uh, but before that, we do have just a little bit of homework and some tidbits from the previous uh, episode to talk about. I was wondering in the last episode, I, I remember Elaine accuses Barney's New York of using flattering mirrors that make you look better than you in the store than you do at home. And I remember a, a case or some press about lying mirrors in department stores and so i looked it up and um a lot of this talk was from only a couple years ago like 2015 to 2017 Hmm. like in that era there was a lot of talk about this company called let me see i think it's just called skinny mirrors uh (laughs) this was on um, from march 9th 2017 nbc rosen reports jeff rosen examined the mirrors and their effects on women's shopping experiences and ideas about body image and women who tried on clothes in front of the skinny mirror at a retail store in new york described themselves as slimmer longer and taller the clothes look better in the store than they actually do in real life so when i get home it doesn't look the same one shopper said so this thing is literally called in all caps the skinny not all caps but you know title case (laughs) the skinny mirror it works on the psyche over time and gives users the instant visual gratification of a slimmer you while educating that how you choose to feel about your body has nothing to do with your actual shape size or weight so they claim they're not being deceitful by making you look thinner they're saying like this is how you look in your mind so Mm. this is how you're gonna look uh, you know this is how you're gonna act you're gonna act like you look like this but i mean of course that's just bs (laughs) yeah that's uh that's very uh ethically wrong i think yeah yeah especially not to tell people (laughs) yeah i mean like it's one thing if if you tell people but but listen to what they do. So the company was founded in 2013 by Belinda Jasmine Birchfield. So this wasn't being talked about in the, in the mid-90s, but this woman actually decided to make money off of it. Produces mirrors designed to make one's reflection appear 5 to 10 pounds thinner. Hmm. And it claims the mirrors can boost stores' retail sales by up to 18%. But Jeez. like I said, the, the founder says the mirrors aren't intended only to make people look slimmer. They're made to encourage greater body satisfaction. Sure it is. Okay. And uh-huh. 
she actually pitched this idea on Shark Tank in 2015, um, and and even before Shark Tank, she was talking to an unnamed major retailer about getting her mirrors into their 450 stores. I don't know if that ever happened, but obviously that would have been a boon for the skinny mirror. Hmm. And she says it was first designed for individual home personal use, but and the website says half of sales of the mirror have been to individuals, but it wasn't until the mirrors gained attention that retailers started purchasing them for their stores, of course. The company started marking the mirrors with their logo to distinguish skinny mirrors from regular mirrors and to combat critics who said it was unethical and deceptive. The word skinny, and that's it, just the word skinny, appears on the mirror in the bottom right-hand corner. The logo is smaller than the size of a pinky finger. Oh, you know, the the, the normal place everyone's looking at in a mirror, the bottom right corner, right? Yeah, yeah, the bottom right corner and yeah. something on a full-size body mirror that is smaller than your pinky. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's looking in that place. <laughs> and she's even had requests from retailers to remove the logo, <laughs> which I'm sure she did to make a giant sale, you know, who wouldn't go, oh, yeah, you're the customer. That logo's gone, baby. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, well, we'd love to put this in our 400-plus stores, but only if you could take off this little <laughs> tiny plastic decal. Oh, sure, whatever you say. Especially because the mirrors sell for between 165 and $5,500. Oh, man. Wait, $165 yeah. to $5,500? Yeah, $165 to $5,500, depending on the size uh, is, and frame is, materials. That is a very, very wide margin. Oh, my Lord. It really is. <laughs> Jeez. Could you, could you imagine, could you imagine like, w- walking into a car dealer? Like, well, I'd like to spend anywhere from $165 to $5,500. So what are, what are my options? <laughs> Okay, maybe maybe a car dealer isn't the best analogy because you're still gonna uh, get get like a, a clunker. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, like shopping for a TV, maybe. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> With the best TV somewhere between one sixty five and fifty five hundred. <laughs> So skinny mirrors were a thing, but I guess you know they weren't really being researched or publicized until just a few years ago, really, as far as my research goes. Uh, HBO Max. Oh, oh, this has really nothing to do with the last episode except the trivia portion of the last episode when we talked about Dan Frischman, who plays the guy from New Jersey who buys Jerry Seinfeld sneakers. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is just the latest in a long line. If you want something in the universe to happen, like talk about it on the show, talk about it on the podcast, because <laughs> they are rebooting Head of the Class, which made Dan Frischman kind of a household name back in the uh, whenever it was the. Uh, 91, I think. Oh, my God. 86 to 91. Yeah, that's when the original ran. Yeah, and I mentioned (laughs) that that's where I recognized him from. He played Arvid on that show. And then we talked about Keenan and Kel a little bit. But now HBO has given pilot production for a reboot of the sitcom. I'm, I'm guessing which on... Which going to be written by the people who did... Oh, on HBO Max. Yeah, it's written by the people that did American Vandal. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, man. I, I the, You know, the more I see about HBO Max, the more I'm like, eh, this, uh, this might be a contender in the streaming wars. I thought it was just going to be kind of dead on arrival like uh, Quibi or Peacock. <laughs> yeah, Peacock hasn't really... They, they've launched, but only, like, it's, it's a very soft launch for them. Oh, did they I don't launch? think they actually really launch until... I literally yeah, saw I, nothing I about it. it. I saw nothing about it. It's it's only for, like, Xfinity subscribers right now or something. Oh, that's a that's a great way to launch your product, is make it limited. Well, uh, you know, I think a soft open is not necessarily a bad idea these days, you know, um, especially in the streaming wars, because... Has Quibi made a dent? I think they had like a thousand, like a hundred thousand subscribers or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I saw something like even though they're uh, still in the middle, 
Not even in the middle. In the midst of a 90-day free trial, two-thirds of their subscribers have canceled. Yeah. So maybe a soft open would have been a better idea to, like, build buzz, you know? It's like it's like when they give you, like, when they say, oh, the, oh, uh, the first episode of The Twilight Zone is free on YouTube right now, mm-hmm. and then when, it, when CBS All Access launches, it's going to be up there. It's like, oh, okay, well, if you really want to seek it out, you can do that, and then maybe it'll pique your interest, and maybe it'll build some buzz, and maybe you'll tell your friend how much you enjoyed it. But, but the bad thing about Peacock is, with their soft open, I mean, sure, they got a bunch of great shows up there, but nothing really new. They didn't, like, it would have been great if mm-hmm. I could watch that Save by the Bell reboot right on away. day one. Yeah. But it's not up there yet, you know? See, it's only their their repurposed stuff. Yeah, that yeah. Is, like, not even the new season of AP Bio is up there. I was all psyched about that. Oh, wow. See, uh, okay, wait. Did it? Uh, uh, did AP Bio get renewed for Peacock exclusively? Or is it just uh, the two seasons that exist already uh, going up on Peacock? Season three is going to be a Peacock exclusive. Oh, okay. I didn't know it got renewed for Peacock. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was super psyched about that. And now that, like, I think it's pretty much, I think it's done. And now I'm wondering if NBC is just going to go like, um, all of our other shows production were shut down. So we are just going to put this on NBC now. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I oh think, my God. I think a lot of digital only stuff is going to make it to air actually. Maybe. Jeez. So Charlie Moore was the first teacher played by Howard Hessman from WKRP. After season four, he was replaced by a new teacher named Billy McGregor, played by the great Billy Connolly. And for the cast, the, the cast of the reboot hasn't been announced yet, but I really hope they pull a say by the bell and bring back either Billy Connolly as the teacher, which would be great, or Dan as Arvid for the teacher. Kind oh, of the man. way that like Screech was always hanging around the say by the bell <laughs> reboot. Screech and Dennis Haskins, for that matter. But I think it'd be great if uh, if, if Dan came back as, as the teacher for the new head of the class. And since I'm saying it on the podcast, it will happen. <laughs> We, we are the new Simpsons. We predict the future here on No Hugging, No Learning. As another example of that, I was joking on the last episode about it being our lost episode. Yeah. And then we recorded a tribute to Jerry Stiller that was a lost episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the one you God. heard was actually the second one that we did. <laughs> the only other thing I want to mention is uh, uh, from the last episode, The Secretary. It was... Wait, was that the last episode? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. the last episode. Yeah. Um, it was the first to use Castle Rock Entertainment's new logo after it had been bought by Turner. Um, but now I guess all the episodes probably have that same logo, the the lighthouse that kind of spins around or whatever. But oh. this was the first one to feature that back in the day, I guess. So uh, that is pretty much all I have. I wonder if they went back and edited the new title card into the old episodes because I don't remember an old Castle Rock title card. Yeah, no, me neither. Yeah, I- I'm-, I'm guessing that they did, like, when they went back and, you know, edit them for syndication or whatever. Yeah, I, I know, like, production companies are very big on branding, so I, I couldn't imagine they would want an, an outdated title card on old episodes, you know? Especially with how easy it is how to just go they. back and, and add in the new yeah. title card. Pfft, why not? All right, that's all I got. All right, did we have any uh, newsworthy bits? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, well, then, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. Uh, I'm watching these episodes for the first time ever. Tim is watching these episodes for the first time in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss something, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you do like what you hear, please give us a 
five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform of your choice that uh, gives you the option of sending in a rating. Uh, If you do it outside of Apple Podcasts, though, please send us a screenshot of your review because for some reason we can only see the Apple Podcast ones. Uh, If you do that, uh, send us your address or literally just anywhere that we can mail something to you because we want to send you a no-hugging, no-learning holographic sticker free of charge uh, like T. Clark 85 who called us an awesome show. This is an awesome Seinfeld review. Found this from the Solomonster Sounds Off Wrestling Podcast. It's a great review to get more insight on some of the behind the scenes stuff for later Seinfeld fans like myself that didn't follow the show during its run. T. Clark 85, thank you so much. Uh, Be sure to send us your address uh, or if you haven't if you have already, I haven't checked the email in about a week. Uh, send us your address. We'll get you a sticker out in the mail uh, ASAP. Um, that being said, Season 6, Episode 10, The Race. Original air date, December 15th, 1994. I was one year, 11 months, and 25 days old. This is the last episode to air before I turned two years old. Whoa. And if you are uh, counting this episode and every other episode that we have, Tim, we have 80 episodes until we become a Saved by the Bell podcast, talking only exclusively about the Saved by the Bell reboots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The new class, the college <laughs> years. Uh, on, on, Nothing original. Not, only, none of the original episodes. Only the reboots and exclusively the reboots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that. I, I wonder I wonder if that's been done. Like reboot the podcast talking only about reboots of like beloved properties. I think it's a great idea. Oh my god. Okay, patent pending. No one can steal this. Patent pending. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Repod. Repod. I, I, I don't mind the name Reboot the Podcast though. Yeah, yeah. Because it know. sounds like an order. It does. <laughs> reboot the podcast. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Earwolf, reboot that podcast. Headgum, reboot that podcast. I could definitely see that. Reboot the podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you're looking at TV Guide the night of December 15th, 1994, you're going to see Jerry finds an old high school classmate still disputes the outcome of a big race. All right. And we start with a stand up bit as usual. It's about the love hate relationship we have with our Christmas trees. And I thought this bit got a lot better as it went on and I would have loved to I, I want to find the full bit because I love <laughs> that he talks about how on December 26th we all wake up and everyone just ex- is expected to snap out of our Christmas spirit like immediately which is something about <laughs> Christmas that has only grinded on me more pretty much the older I get yeah because like, I guess because I love Christmas music I start listening to it in I'd say November like after Halloween like November 1st is like Christmas music day you know you can start <laughs> decorating and stuff like that like I'll 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 say it's November 1st I'm not a, I'm not wow, a crazy person about it like we don't even put our tree up until Thanksgiving weekend yeah November 1st is early I feel it, for me it's always been middle of November like I I want to I want it at least to be cold maybe have a few snow flurries before I start thinking about Christmas um, but unlike a lot of people who think, okay, 12.01 a.m. on December 26th, I better not hear a fucking Christmas carol on my radio. Uh, I, I'm okay hearing it until, like, at least the new year. Yeah, yes, totally. Yeah, I, that's why I appreciate Sirius XM. Like, their 
um, Christmas Channel goes until at least January first. Uh, I think that yeah, I think that's when it when it changes to like their New Year's party mix or whatever. But for instance, like we spend Christmas at our house with me and my wife and kids mm-hmm. then we get in the car and then we go back to visit our families in virginia so it's still christmas on the 26th to us <laughs> and i want to hear christmas music yeah you know? absolutely <laughs> uh okay does uh do, do you subscribe to sirius year-round yes do they have one of their channels become a christmas station in july because i feel like that's a big missed opportunity if they don't I think right now there is a channel because like Christmas, like the Christmas period is sort of people started decorating in the middle of the pandemic and stuff like that mm-hmm. for Christmas because, people, you know, it's just a, a time of year that makes you feel good. Yeah. And I think one of their stations did change during all that. But I don't think they normally do a Christmas in July thing now. Mm. Something, someone like yeah. them, I feel like would have at least a Christmas in July station, if not a year round Christmas music station. Because why not? You're, I'm willing to bet it's a digital their- station anyway. Why not? I'm willing to bet on their streaming app they do. They probably have a year-round Christmas thing, but on the actual radio, like in the car, that's a more limited... Uh, at least maybe I don't pay for all every single channel I can get or whatever. Mm, um, okay. So it's a more limited selection when you're in your car versus listening on your on the app. But there's probably a, a year-round Christmas station on there. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Is, is Sirius still always, selling yeah. radios in 2020? Or is it only like, oh, yeah, we'll give you access to the app and you can play it through Bluetooth in your car? I think... I think it's still integrated in the car dashboard. Really? Wow. Okay. I yeah. I, I thought I thought because, they had you moved know, exclusively to like playing it through the app. I wouldn't be a subscriber if that was the case because hmm. I you know I only just recently got unlimited data. Mm, okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I feel like unlimited data still isn't. I guess if you are if you have the money to pay for Sirius Satellite Radio, you probably have the money to pay a little bit more for a an unlimited plan. But yeah, yeah I only just recently got back on one after being on an eight gig plan or something stupid like that. Uh, um, okay. Yeah. See, know, I, yeah. I I always forget. I've been on unlimited data. Uh, uh, I, I say data. I don't know why. Uh, I've been on the unlimited yeah. plan for just a few years, so I always forget like just how. Uh, how much data consumption a streaming uh, app uses? Right, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I but I hate that you know terrestrial radio that FM immediately goes back on December twenty sixth. Like nobody wants to hear it anymore. Yeah, which absolutely. Is, yeah, it, like, it is weird the way people snap out of it like that. Like play. But through. I like what he says. You know, you wake up and you 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 rub your eyes in the morning. You're like, there's a tree in the house. <laughs> Throw it out the window or whatever the case may be. He's like, it's like a mob hit. The car slows down. A tree, you know, you toss the tree out and then you you peel off. Like it's really some funny imagery. I really like it. And we opus open in an office building, and Jerry is dating someone named Lois, and you can tell that he is loving saying her name as much as possible because he has a Superman fetish. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Her boss comes in, and it's Duncan Meyer. Jerry and Duncan recognize each other immediately, and you can tell there's some animosity bubbling under in their exchange. Yeah. In fact, he can tell that Lois is about to leave with Jerry, and when he notices that, he makes her stay late. Yeah, a lot of of tension here. And meanwhile, as as Duncan is asking Lois to stay, uh, Lois is like, oh, you don't mind uh, uh, coming back down here in rush hour again, do you, Jerry? Jerry's like, oh, not a problem, Lois. We're just getting verbal Superman refs out of the gate here. Yes, yeah. He loves any time he can say it (laughs) and make it sound like Superman is saying it. Yes, yes. 
<laughs> so over at Elaine's, she argues with the delivery guy who's bringing her her Chinese food and the, over like a, some screwed up order or something like that. And now Elaine is on the do not deliver list. And George is there as well. And he finds a copy of the Daily Worker in Elaine's house, <laughs> in Elaine's apartment. And apparently Ned reads it. And George is like, what is he, a communist? And Elaine says, well, he's well read. He, he reads and, everything. And George is like, you mean he's, what's that? Yeah, he, he reads everything. And he's like, you mean he's well read? Again, referencing communism. <laughs> the, I thought uh, that was pretty funny. That was a great, he's that also was a well read. Gr- great use of language there. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And then they try to figure out if he's a communist or not. And George asks if he dresses in drab clothing. And she's like, yeah, he wears a lot of olive and beige. And he's like, communist. <laughs> I love I was I was gonna it only stuck out to me in like the next few references like in the next scene but it's amazing how what a caricature of a communist you know considering everything we know about like you know maybe communism I don't know I guess it's it's just been equated so much with socialism and now that like people are a little bit more educated on the differences and what mm-hmm. one is like it's funny that like you know if you're a communist you have to dress like Joseph Stalin you have to you know it's like <laughs> It's so funny the character of a communist they make this guy into. Yeah, yeah. Is uh is the Daily Worker a real paper? Or, I want to say yes. Okay, or do they just like come up with something like okay, what what's uh the most communist sounding newspaper name we can come up with? <laughs> I guess we'll have to look it up. We'll put the Daily Worker down for okay. uh, for homework. <laughs> yeah, because I, I I just took it as. I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. And then I was like, oh, I guess it must be a uh, communist newspaper. But now I don't know if it actually is a real one or not. We will find out. George, uh, you know, is reading the Daily Worker and he sees a personal ad that is seeking a guy. And it specifically says appearance, not important. And this is just great news to George. Yeah, this this is a sign from the heavens for George. (laughs) And Jerry comes in and he mentions that Lois's boss is Duncan Meyer. George is in a state of shock. He's speechless. And Jerry explains to Elaine about a race that took place when they were in school together where he got a head start and then didn't fess up about it. And everyone and the the, the myth of Jerry's speed grew and grew in the school. And the <laughs> only one who suspected anything was off was Duncan Meyer. And he's hated Jerry ever since. And Jerry never raced anyone again, saying... I choose not to run. <laughs> and so the so the myth of his speed would grow and grow. Um okay, this uh this was just so weird. I, everyone's going over to Elaine's apartment now? <laughs> like like Jerry yeah, just walks like it was going to be Yeah, Jerry just walks in like Elaine typically walks into his apartment. I'm like, "Okay, this is odd." <laughs> <laughs> that is weird, but I guess I took it like her Christmas tree is up and they had ordered Chinese food and Lois references later like, oh, sorry, I miss Chinese food. So this obviously was like maybe Elaine's little, not a Christmas party, but a Christmas friend get together of some sort. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was just. Uh, that is kind of weird. It, it, was, it was odd. But then Jerry, uh, he just pounds some, uh, some what, what we think is whiskey, <laughs> but he's like. Ooh, that is uh, that is some hard cider. Yeah, yeah. I think he said tart cider. Tart cider. That's what because it was. He, yeah, he makes a face like, oh, you know, like you normally would if you just pounded some whiskey, but it's just so tart that that's what the <laughs> face was. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty funny. That is a tart cider. <laughs> In Jerry's car, he is picking up Lois, and she seems a little off, and it's because Duncan told her that Jerry cheated. You know, he's like, oh, what did you uh? 
Do you and Duncan talk about anything? You know, he sort of probes for it. And then she's like, why did you cheat in the big race? And Jerry says that Duncan is just jealous of how fast he was. And he's held it against him all these years. And and so he doesn't tell Lois the truth about the race. Back at Elaine's, Ned shows up. And Elaine is sort of like starts dropping hints and beating around the bush about inquiring whether he's a communist or not. Like, well, oh, well, you know, another day, another dollar, right? Well, yeah, she she's being like that make- kind of like flirty at first, and then just out of nowhere, are you a communist? Yeah, yeah, she's like. <laughs> Got to make those big bucks, am I right? <laughs> it's all about money, 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 money. <laughs> are you a communist? And then, and then, yeah, and then she just flatly says, are you a communist? <laughs> this, it was great. It was a perfect delivery. And then I, Ned just comes back. He's like, I, I, as a matter of fact, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, and then here's where I wrote down caricature of a communist because Elaine brings up the fall of the Soviet Union and like, well, you guys had a good run of, I don't know, like 70 years. And he's like, oh, yeah, I mean, but we have, um, we have, we still have China and we still have Cuba. And <laughs> Elaine's like, yeah, it, it's like, it's almost like the Communist Party or whatever hasn't evolved since Stalin is the way this is being written, you know? <laughs> And she's like, oh, you had a good run. You might as well enjoy yourself now or something like that. Like like a, like an actual communist would be bummed about the fall of the Soviet <laughs> Union. Like, oh, man. But like, there's, there's just so much nervous laughter coming from Elaine and from Ned. And, and he even he is like, yeah, had a good run and takes a drink and kind of chuckles a little bit, but d- doesn't really know what to make of it. Yeah, it's just such a weird line of conversation. <laughs> well, you guys must be bummed about the fall of the Soviet Union. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine like a communist in '94 would have been thinking, "Oh, that's being run very well," or, or whatever. <laughs> you know, that's that's communism done right. You know, <laughs> or, or even a communist today saying that China's doing it right or that Cuba was doing it right or whatever. Oh my lord! It's just such a weird thing to think that they're like rooting for like other communist. Like, yeah, let's let's go other communist nations. <laughs> It just seems like a character of a communist, like I like I keep saying. I know a couple of episodes ago, maybe even like uh, ten episodes ago at this point, like we were talking. Uh, oh man, the things that uh, would uh, be super incriminating, taking out of context that we say. But oh boy, let's go, <laughs> other communist nations is one of them. <laughs> let's let's go. <laughs> Over in Jerry's apartment, Superman is on the fridge, as if we haven't had enough Superman references already. And Jerry and George are there, and Jerry's telling him that he lied about the race because, you know, he doesn't know what's going to happen with him and Lois. And if they end up with a bad breakup, she'll go blab to Duncan yeah. that he was lying all these years ago. And Elaine comes in uh, kind of excited that she's dating a communist. <laughs> she she also, she seems like she doesn't know what to make of it. Um, She's definitely excited by it, but... It, it, as we see in the coming scenes, it becomes the first thing she says whenever she introduces Ned to people or talks about Ned. And I think it's because it's so novel. You know, I think I think we've had other. You know, when when people like when George has been dating somebody that he's that is that is above him in stature, or at least there's something interesting about them. It becomes the most important thing about mm-hmm. them. You know, it's like it, like it, like Elaine is hip enough to date a communist or yeah. something like that. You well, know like, what I mean? Like and, and this, uh, there, there's a badge of coolness or something to it. That's true. And Elaine's behavior here just made me think: What would this be equivalent to in 2020? What is so novel? that Elaine would mention it as the first thing when introducing someone to uh, like one of her friends, like someone that she's dating. Like, hey, this is Ned. He's a blank. Mm, I'm trying to stay in the line of, of political party. I mean, I what? think... Do you think it, socialist? I, mean, I think so. I think you could easily... I think that's probably what they were trying to say Yeah. in this, but just communist was just more of a, more of a word that people knew. Yeah. And, so and, I think you could easily say, like, yeah, make Elaine date 
um, you know, a huge Bernie or or AOC fan or something like that. Yeah, and, and I just point that out first thing. Like I, he's a member of the Socialist Party, like not yeah. the Democrat Party, the Social or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely see that, especially I mean, over the last couple of years, like, oh hey, this is Ned. He's a Bernie bro. Yeah. <laughs> now Elaine dating a Bernie bro would be a totally different plot line. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> But I'd love to see that episode, too. <laughs> uh, George has called one of the personal ads from The Daily Worker, meanwhile, that where, you know, appearance not important. Kramer comes <laughs> in. He's dressed as Santa. He's gotten a job at Coleman's department store. And Mickey is there. Yes. Mickey is back uh, playing the department store elf to Kramer's Santa. Which, so it's great to see him again. Which doesn't this seem kind of late to just be getting a job as a department store Santa? If like the night before Elaine was having like her Christmas get together. And if we're to, <laughs> if we're to believe this episode takes place around the time it comes out, then Christmas is in 10 days. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really ramping up. Yeah. I think the the busiest shopping days of the year are the you know, two weekends before Christmas. So you still, you still got at least one of those yeah, within this 10 I, day. Yeah, I, I guess. You know, but I mean, you're, window. you're forgetting Black Friday. You're forgetting like the, literally the first half of December. Uh, and, yeah. But, but I, no, I'm, I'm telling you, like statistically, like the, the, the busiest shopping days of the year, even with Black Friday, that's always been a myth that Black Friday is the biggest shopping day of the year. It's always been. The two weekend, like the Saturday and Sunday before Christmas. Oh, for and real? The one, okay. And the one previous. Yeah, yeah. Like the four, the four weekend days, the hmm. t- two Saturdays and two Sundays before Christmas are the biggest shopping days of the year. That's what I've always read statistically. Okay. I, I, I never, I never knew that was uh, uh, statistically proven. Interesting. I agree that you should. I, I bet they have a, a stable of Santas though that mm. work at Coleman's that have yeah. been working. You know, since Thanksgiving weekend or whenever the whenever those Santas start popping up. Okay, yeah, I, I guess uh, because they they work them pretty hard. We find out that's true. I, I guess it, it's never brought up if Kramer and Mickey are the only like hires. You know. Yeah, and they might be, but it's got to be a job, especially a Coleman's that has a lot of turnover. Because we find out that they they work them work them like dogs. Mm-hmm. So Duncan wants to get together and with with Jerry and Lois to probably you know it's it's. He's trying to make it seem innocuous, but both of them know there's an ulterior motive to talk about the race. Mm-hmm. And George says, George comes up with a great idea. He'll show up. <laughs> Duncan doesn't know they're still friends after all these years. He'll pretend that it's the first time seeing him forever, and he'll back up the story. And <laughs> it's a great idea. Um, you you caught George uh, get, like uh, giving an Elaine a cheers and just spilling her drink all over her. Yeah, an unexpected cheers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over at Coleman's, there's a kid who like i don't what is the point of bringing your kid to see a santa if they do not speak english that's what i want to know i i don't a kid who doesn't know. speak english sitting on kramer's lap i don't know but kramer uh, i uh what what language was he going for here swedish maybe i would say that's accurate i was gonna say vaguely european yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> but let's go with yeah well, let's go with scandinavian somewhere yeah. uh but, but because, he, so the kid doesn't speak english and kramer's like oh you know how do you you know what do you want for christmas and the mom's <laughs> like she doesn't speak english maybe they just wanted the photo that's maybe. the only thing i could think but i mean yeah it, but we don't see a photographer like you have to just make that up in your head that like oh i guess maybe they just wanted the picture i don't know that's true yeah, he's like well don't worry santa speaks the language of all children norchi warchi torchi do <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> oh man hey, i thought that was sa- hilarious he says some more things too i only wrote down norchi warchi dorchi do 
but, <laughs> yeah. But like, oh my oh, god. Oh, he goes on as the kid is oh, leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's more like more stuff that rhymes with Orchie. Yeah, well the, the second line he says almost sounds Hawaiian. Uh but it's uh I, I didn't I didn't write down what it was, but I'm like, Jesus H, okay. <laughs> And then uh, while he's not looking, because Elaine and Ned have come in, uh, catching Kramer's attention, another kid jumps on Kramer's lap, and we get a kind of funny physical shock bit there to end the scene. Over at Yankee Stadium, Ada is still working for George, and why wouldn't she? She's making hundreds of thousands of dollars a <laughs> yeah, year or whatever, she, being his secretary. She's making bank. She's getting that, uh, that $25,000 raise now. Yeah, on top of whatever she was making, so who knows what it is. Uh, and she's not; she's definitely still not as stuffy or dowdy as she was mm-hmm. in the last episode. And she tells George that Natalie is on line two, and George is like, Natalie? And she says, from the Daily Worker? And George is like, all right, thank you, thank you. And while he's um, talking to Natalie, he is, like, like George always does, he makes himself into the person that he thinks that person wants to date, instead of just being his authentic <laughs> self. Which is another very George-like mistake that I always made, you know, um, in, in my dating mm-hmm. life. And so he's like talking about how much how he's like working for the Yankees, obviously a huge capitalist organization. Yes. But he's in there, you know, fostering dissent and really yeah. uh, shaking things up and stuff like that. Yeah, he says like, yes, this is a business line, but I'm I'm, I'm not a businessman. I'm I'm working for the people. <laughs> And Ada looks on, disgusted yeah, at the fact but, that George is a communist. Yeah, and she's listening to his entire phone call. She's still in his doorway. Yeah, oh yeah. And over at Coleman's, Elaine runs into someone she knows named Arlene, and this is where she induces <laughs> Ned as a communist right off the bat. A big, big communist, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> but like Arlene and her kid walk away immediately and Elaine looks back at Ned and she's like, oh, why don't, uh, why don't we go pick out like a new shirt for you? And Ned's like, out <laughs> of the question. Yeah, they must dress in drab militaristic uh, <laughs> colors and shirts. <laughs> so Ned tells Kramer that anybody that works for Coleman's is a schmuck. The Santas at Bloomfield are making double and Mickey's trying to run interference between Ned's communist propaganda and Kramer uh, in this scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ned's pointing out. Th- this is all like while Elaine did go off to look for a new shirt, uh, mind you. Uh, so, yeah. so Ned is left alone with Kramer and Mickey. Uh, but Ned is uh, asking like, oh, is that beard itchy? Kramer's like, yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, oh, I bet, well, there's going to be no medical plan once January rolls along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ned, <laughs> already on the universal health care bandwagon <laughs> in the 90, mid-90s. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's like, Kramer, I have some literature that I'd love for you to read. <laughs> That's another thing that, like, you know, if you're a communist, like, you must have the manifesto on you all the time. Like, another caricature moment of Ned here. <laughs> So over at Monk's, Jerry and Duncan pretty much start arguing immediately about the race. George walks in, and just this scene, (laughs) I put a star next to this episode, and I'm like, do I like this episode as a whole, or do I like just this scene because this scene might have like just sold the whole episode to me he is like really playing up the act of not remembering jerry he he starts condescending immediately about jerry's comedy like oh uh i don't really watch tv so i don't know he's um, like i, I i've I, never seen you i like to read you know and i like to read it's like what what do you, you do a lot of that uh did you ever notice kind of stuff <laughs> He's like, yeah, I think, uh, and George is like, yeah, I think a lot of guys are doing that these days. That's uh, good. Good for you. Good for you. And then like, Jerry, very condescending. Jerry's comeback is just incredible. Just looks at him like dead in the eyes. Like, really went bald there, didn't you? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then George's comeback is, yeah, I think I went bald uh, right around the time I made my first million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, y- you know what they say, the first million is the hardest. <laughs> yeah, and he's uh, an architect. <laughs> and Lois asks if you, you've, um, you've, if you've ever done anything that I've seen. He's like, we've seen the new addition to the Guggenheim. <laughs> Jesus. And she's like, oh, wow, you did that? He's like, yeah, it didn't really take me that long. <laughs> At, at, at that point, I don't remember if George says anything else, but Jerry's like, oh, is that a hole in your sneaker? Is that canvas? Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, what is a millionaire like you doing in a crummy coffee shop like this? And yeah, is that a hole? Yeah, he talks about the hole in his canvas sneakers. And George is like, well, my uh, my driver's waiting for my bed. He almost forgets the whole reason yeah. for this bit was to make it seem like he and Jerry hadn't seen each other in 20 years. <laughs> And Jerry's like, uh, George, it's been a while since I've seen you. I'd love to reminisce some more. And then George starts digressing again when they start talking about the race and, and with a story about how he, he makes up about losing his virginity to, uh, what does he say, voluptuous? Oh, yeah, voluptuous a, teacher? He, he lost his virginity to Miss Stafford, the voluptuous homeroom teacher. Oh, my gosh. George yeah, literally and- cannot help himself from trying to, like, fantasize about his own life and, like, just where he went wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they eventually do talk about the race and how and George backs up the story. But then Lois suggests another race and Jerry begrudgingly agrees to yeah. race Duncan again. Yeah, this is the exact thing Jerry didn't want to do. But he's like, all right, mm-hmm. fine. So over in the apartment, in Jerry's apartment, he's panicking about letting the legend die and having to race Duncan again uh, over at uh, on the street later. Kramer and Mickey are discussing basically the communist manifesto that that Kramer has been uh, looking through and its relationship to delicatessen. <laughs> yeah, well, M- Mickey said like uh, like what if I want to open a delicatessen and Kramer's like, "Oh, well there's no delicatessens in communism." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Cuz all, like, all of all of the meats said, are in different like working classes. Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah, cuz you could you can't have the meats from different classes cuz I think he put I forget what meat he puts in the higher class. I think he puts salami in a lower class. <laughs> um, and he's like, you can't have, you know, you can't have a class system anywhere, and that includes a, a delicatessen, which is so stupid, but, <laughs> but it's hilarious. <laughs> Back in Jerry's apartment, George calls to see if he has any messages, and apparently George Steinbrenner wants to see him because he's found out that he's a communist. And then Duncan calls Jerry, and Jerry tells him, as he did in the earlier scene, and it, in the scene completely mirrors the one we had earlier in Elaine's apartment where Elaine's on the couch, George is sitting next to her, <laughs> not really looking at Jerry, and Jerry is standing up, and George, right before Jerry's about to say the line, I choose not to run, and as he did, he he, he again sort of, you know, does a, a, a big reveal for it and, uh, and uh, presents it, you know, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. choose not to run. Uh, over at Elaine's, she has bought Ned a nice shirt, and he doesn't want to wear it. Yeah, He, he, he goes th- to try he, it on, though. He thinks it's too fancy, and uh elaine's like you look like trotsky he's like good and elaine's like can't you look like a successful communist (laughs) and he tells elaine to order chinese and ned pretty much makes her order from hop Singh. she suggests another place because now she's on the do not deliver list and he wants her to choose hop Singh's because when his dad was blacklisted he and his friends were able to sit there and figure out what to do with their lives Oh, okay. I, I was so, I was wondering I was wondering what the reasoning here was because uh, I thought it was like okay, did Hop Sings like take care of his dad when he was blacklisted? Did they give him like free food or something? It sure seems like it. Yeah, it seems like they were at least sympathetic to you know it's it's a Chinese restaurant. We can see they have, although it's very it's it 
bordering on stereotypes. I'm I'm guessing they got an actual Chinese person to play this Chinese person, this stereotypical Chinese person. So oh. it's not entirely a Mickey Rooney breakfast at Tiffany's thing, but for sure this guy is doing an accent that I would I would think he was uncomfortable with. Yeah, but did anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 got he's got the teeth too. He's doing. Oh, oh uh, don't know how you I tell, feel like, about this. Him, yeah, they're making him like that's not the way his lip sits normally. So no. they're making like yeah, raise your lip up like this, and yeah, talk like yeah, great. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Like, like thankfully at least they got you know an Asian actor to do this, and it's and they didn't just like put a, make a white guy you know <laughs> hold his eyes in a slanted way. <laughs> but it's oh close. God. It's like just a step above that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good lord. But yeah, I'm guessing that Hop Sings was it was yeah, like I said, sympathetic to their cause and being you know some he said someone named names and they said his dad was a communist and so he got blacklisted from whatever they don't say. I mean, blacklisted I think was was mainly like a kind of a Hollywood term. So maybe his dad was in the in that kind of. But I, but I guess like people everywhere were getting fired from whatever job you did and they called it blacklisting. I don't know. It, it never really comes up what his dad did. I was thinking it'd be something funny, like he got blacklisted. Maybe he worked at a deli or something like that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, just to, just to circle it back around to what Kramer and Mickey were talking about, I think it would have been funny. Was uh was the guy's name Lou? Is is that who's that Hop from Hop Sing? Yeah. I honestly don't. I don't know if they ever say it. I don't know. Because I'm on the Wikipedia of the episode here, and the guy's name is Martin Chow, who was. There we go. Oh my god, actor and producer known for. Tim, are you ready for it? Let's do it. Good luck, Charlie, on the Disney Channel. Of course. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) How did you not recognize him? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So he is is of Asian descent. I mean, like, as we suspected and... Yeah. Yes, unless we are getting into a uh, a situation where we had with the Chinese woman episode. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's Chowstein. <laughs> so Elaine, when she orders, tells the restaurant the name Ned Isaacoff, Ned's mm-hmm. name instead, so that he will get, uh, so that they will deliver to them. Over at Coleman's, Kramer is now telling kids, uh, basically espousing communist ideals, uh, telling the kids that, you know, you don't want those toys that are assembled in <laughs> Taiwan by other children. And he, he's talking about how the capitalist fat cats at Coleman's sell it for triple the value and how much money they're making. And then a kid straight up accuses Santa of being a commie. Jesus. And he's like, where did you learn that word? He's just like, and this kid a, is a just shouting. Guard. This kid is shouting, commie, commie, commie. Yeah. A security guard runs over and he fires both Kramer and Mickey for their for being communists. <laughs> Uh, outside of Angelo's shoe repair, which I guess is where Jerry just likes to park with his women because we saw this shoe repair store for the first time in season six, episode six, The Gymnast, with, again, Jerry's sob parked outside. And he says, uh, Lois tells him, if I don't race, if Jerry doesn't race, he'll fire Lois, essentially. Duncan said, Jerry has to race or he'll fire Lois. And Jerry's <laughs> like, he can't do that, can he? And Lois says... He controls the means of production, which, of course, is direct <laughs> communist, you know, quote. You know. <laughs> which, like, man, I, I, I can't imagine this wouldn't be a lawsuit in in modern times. Yeah. I, I guess yeah, again, I'm, second episode in a row that we've got some EOE violations, yeah, at least, I, or EEO, I, I mean. Uh, I, I guess EOE. unless, uh, yeah, e, 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 equal, em, equal opportunity e- employment, EOE, yeah. Uh, what's EOE, e- what's yeah. EEO? I feel like there's an extra E in there Is sometimes. EEO something else? What's that? Is EEO something else? Equal, Im- 
No, I, I think I think you're right. I think it is E O E. But like, I, I guess unless Lois is an at will employee, but like that that seems to only really exist in like. I, I don't know, re- retail and restaurant industry. Right, right, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure the New York employment laws that we're getting into <laughs> here, but obviously if George can tell women he is straight up not hiring qualified candidates because of the way they look, and if Lois <laughs> is if Lois's job is contingent on someone who doesn't work for that company racing against the boss of that company, then they have very lax employment laws, let me say. Oh, and if a department store can make a Santa work for part-time wages with no break for eight hours a day, there's a lot of interesting, I mean, they, they did a really good job, like, sneaking in these uh, these little employment the, uh, questions into the episode about communism. The, the employment ethics of season six of Seinfeld sounds like a doctoral <laughs> thesis. That I would read. I would definitely read. Or I'd, I'd at least read the precy at the beginning, and then probably not the rest of it. I'd, I'd probably read the thesis <laughs> statement, and then I'd give up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, over back at Elaine's, she accidentally runs into the delivery guy Lou I guess <laughs> accidentally runs into Lou and now Ned Isakoff is also on the do not deliver list and Ned is very angry that Elaine has gotten him blacklisted and as, as Lou says she named names <laughs> <laughs> oh my god literally the exact thing that I or that Ned had said about his dad <laughs> like he got blacklisted because people named names so j- just kind of yeah uh, calling back to the scene earlier yeah and i do i mean that's more you know communist buzzword again because i know back during the red scare you know you could you could only absolve yourself of people thinking you're a communist if you told other people who were communists and it was mm-hmm. just a, a circle of people saying like oh yeah kramer's a communist and then kramer would say oh no i'm not but mickey is and then mickey would say oh no i'm not but the, you know and, and so that was naming <laughs> names back in the day and all those people would end up getting blacklisted i guess mm-hmm. uh, over at yankee stadium george steinbrenner is very into george being a communist george thought he was going to be in trouble for this but just steinbrenner is into it because we can now get access to Cuban baseball players down there. And so he's sending George to Havana to look at some Yankees prospects because they're pretty much the only team that has a communist on the staff. You you caught what uh, Steinbrenner says here. He's like, yeah, there's a Cuban pitcher named something Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Out on the street, uh, Mickey is really laying into Kramer about the fact that they got fired. Uh, that's pretty much all I have here. Mm-hmm. At the race, it's race day, and Duncan is so confident that he's going to be Jerry in this rematch that he promises Lois a raise and a trip to Hawaii if Jerry actually wins. Mm-hmm. And they, they actually got M- Mr. What was, Mr. Be- Bevilacqua. Mr. Bevilacqua. Yeah. yeah the, the, the gym teacher from the original race who shows up with a starting pistol. <laughs> yeah. And he says, you know, I'll say ready, set, and then fire the starting pistol. And that's when you go. So right as they're lining up and Mr. Bevilacqua says, and I like that they still go, yes, Mr. Bevilacqua. Like, that's pretty funny. They, uh, everyone reverts to their you know, proper yeah. uh, place but, in but, the world. Like, but, yes, mean, but meanwhile, Kramer is telling George, he's like, hey, George, we got to get the airport to get you to Cuba. So immediately, once the race is over, we got to get in my car and go. So Kramer's getting in his car as Jerry and Duncan are lining up. Yeah, and then Mr. Bevilacqua says, on your mark, get set. And it's at that moment that Kramer's car backfires. So Jerry takes off and beats Duncan handily. Uh, all of this happens, by the way, to the Superman theme song. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's pretty funny when uh, 
one funny part of this here is when Elaine is rushing toward Jerry for a hug and he bats her out of the way with one arm so that he can <laughs> hug Lois and basically like shoves her to the ground. I feel like I've seen this parodied a bunch of times in like other shows and cartoons. Just this sequence or the, the, this sequence is this here. a parody you're saying? The, this oh, sequence here. Like I've seen other shows and properties parody Seinfeld in this, unless this was a parody <laughs> of something else. It might have been. I'm not too familiar. My guess is that it maybe is a parody of a Superman scene, but I can't think of the last time I saw any of those movies. Mm. I, I, I can't imagine Superman would like shove someone out of the way. Maybe maybe Superman runs and just meets up with Lois, and th- and this was the parody of that. And like, oh, we're going to lampoon Superman. He's going to shove Elaine out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it may be a parody of a Superman scene that we just have no idea yeah. about. <laughs> I think there's like six of those movies, so we don't have time to watch them before the next. Uh, before, if, if there's a huge Superman movie <laughs> fan out there, definitely Please let, us, let know. us know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so Lois is like, you know, do you want to come to Hawaii with me? And then Jerry says, maybe I will, Lois. And then he looks at the camera and winks, which I hate. I hate it. <laughs> but that's how the episode ends. I hate a show that is that either break the fourth wall or don't, you know? Yeah, yeah. And this is a show that does not. So when they do, I hate it because it's it doesn't fit in. Yeah, I, He could have just looked off into the distance and I think it would have been just as funny. Yeah, do almost like the, the Zach Braff in Scrubs, like look off into the distance, like just lift your head ever so slightly and look up and to the right, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe I will, Lois. And then maybe, just look up, yeah. Maybe been. I will. Yeah, I, I think it would have been fine because I hate that he looks right <laughs> at the camera. So the last scene of the show is in Cuba, and George is meeting with Fidel Castro, whose office looks ex- exactly like George Steinbrenner's <laughs> office. Um, and he grants George access to their Cuban ballplayers, anybody who wants, because <laughs> he uh, understands that you're simpatico to the communist cause. <laughs> and, and George is like, oh, definitely simpatico, muy, muy simpatico. Muy, muy simpatico, yes, cc. Cc. And he then he invites George to... Uh, I guess a party or something at the presidential mansion. And then Fidel starts rambling much like George Steinbrenner does. And that's pretty much the end of the scene and the end of the episode. Yeah, no no extra stand-up bit here. Nothing. I did stick around for the credits, though, to see who did the voice of Fidel Castro. And I don't remember the name, but it is not Larry David. Oh, it wasn't? I mean, you could pretty much... No. I, 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 just, I mean, you could pretty much tell it wasn't Larry David, but I thought it might have been at least like an affected Larry David. Th- but that, no, that's not. what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just like, okay, it's Larry yeah. David uh, d- doing doing some affect on his voice. Yeah. No, no, it's somebody else. Okay. I don't know why they didn't get Larry to do it. I think that would have been funny. I mean, they already had Larry play Saddam Hussein. I- I'm pretty sure they could have had him play Fidel Castro. Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, what did we have for homework? What do we want to look up for next week? The only thing I've written down is the Daily Worker. All right, let's uh, let's uh, both subscribe to the Daily Worker. Uh, we'll both place personal yes, ads yes. in there and say that appearance is not important. <laughs> um, Bingo. Uh, do we want to come up with a better description? We can try. So we had Jerry finds an old high school classmate still disputes the outcome of a big race. Hmm. I don't I think that works. Yeah, I don't mind that because I mean. Uh, obviously the title, The Race, and this plays right into it. I love how it doesn't mention anything about communism because that's a huge overarching <laughs> story in this. Uh, but it all does <laughs> tie back to the race, which is the final thing in the episode. Uh, th- this was, uh, this was a great episode. It's the first thing and the last thing. Yeah. Yeah. This was a great episode, I thought. Yeah. I was wondering where you landed on it because I, I, 
I still don't know whether I just loved that one scene <laughs> so much or whether this was a great episode. But um, yeah, I think I'm gonna. I think that's where I'm gonna land on it too. That it was it was great. I mean, because of the thread of communism that works its way through everything and how it makes it. I think discussing it. Um, made it even better. I think that mm-hmm. happens every so often too, where I'm like, well, that was okay. But then I don't realize the true genius of the episode yeah. until I... we talk about it, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> we... we reveal the true genius of Seinfeld. <laughs> we made the episode yeah. great. Uh, no, but like, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm definitely with you. I think the scene in Monks uh, definitely lifted the whole uh, level of the episode. But the episode as a whole is is really, really good, if not great. It was so great to see that uh, that scene in Monks because it should be a part of the greatest hits of Seinfeld, you know, pantheon of clip shows, but it's not. Like, I can't think of the last time I saw it. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to be surprised by a scene like that instead of like, oh, here's this old scene again. Oh, this mm-hmm. is where this comes from. <laughs> but it was just great to be surprised by. And it's like, it's such, so character building too. It's like, if you wanted to show somebody... You know, if you wanted to explain to somebody Seinfeld or at least the relationship between George and Jerry, this would have been the perfect sign. It's like, all right, everything they're saying about each other is either false or just a roast. You mm-hmm. know, so yeah, everything is just so character developing in that scene that it's it's just so well written. It's great. Oh man, is there is there anything else that we and, um, need to touch on? I don't think so. Well, the 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 last thing I want to mention that has nothing to do with this episode or the next episode is that I have reached the end of another physical binder full of notes. Whoa, this, this is the, binder, the second yeah. time in the history of our show. Yes, this binder started with The Implant, Season 4, Episode 18, Whoa. and it will end with The Race, Season 6, Episode 10. Yeah. Oh, man. this is uh, That's going to be worth that's some right. money, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm saving them. I'm saving them. I'm putting them right next to the other one in my, uh, in my bookcase. Nice. So. Do you have the and next? I got, and the next one... I do actually. Sarah got me one a while back that is very nice. It's like leather or faux leather or something. Ooh. Uh, and yeah, hopefully that one it's, lasts it's really to nice. uh, to the end of our show. Maybe it, it might actually. Yeah, if I get, I mean, two seasons essentially. Yeah, we, like we've one got we've and, got we've got three and a half left. Yeah, it might not make it, but mm. it, it's going to be a good one. Okay, it's be a good one to write in. <laughs> Next week, we have got uh, Season 6, Episode 11, The Switch. Original air date, January 5th, 1995. My originally scheduled birthday. I, I was a preemie a little bit for by a couple of weeks. There you go. But if you're looking in TV Guide, the night of January 5th, you are going to see Jerry Wants to Date a New Girlfriend's Roommate. This is, I think, an episode that a lot of people consider a classic. So we will hmm. see okay. if it holds up. Yeah, next week. And is that it? That's it. All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.